would, to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 is where we'll be this morning. We'll go over to uh, Romans for just a little brief time. We might bounce around a little bit, depends on how focused I stay, but I want to get to faith. I heard a radio preacher not too long ago with all kinds of reputation and all kinds of uh, phylacteries. You know, whatever you want to call them. And he was talking about faith and said it was real complicated. And I says, no, it's not complicated at all. In fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and you have the definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Kind of talking about creationism already there. Nothing new under the sun. They were arguing with that about that years ago. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. He was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his test translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That translation, he never died. He was taken from here to heaven without death. But without faith, and this is the second point of my message, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's what faith is about. We see here three things that faith consists of. Back to verse 1. Faith is substance. Faith is things. And faith is evidence. Do you have enough faith that they could convict you of being a Christian today? If they watched you, could they convict you? If you got in your vehicle this morning and went to church, you were evidencing your faith. That's what God wants from us. He wants faith, us to exercise faith. Faith can be seen. Faith can be measured by your activity in it. Faith can be proven. It's evidence. It's evidence. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Something to consider. Without faith, faith, the first point you have to exercise in verse 6 is salvation. You have to trust God and take him at his word. That's why it shows up there a little bit earlier in the same part in verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God simply spoke, and the world came into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let it be divided from the darkness and the light, and it was done. By his word, everything came into existence. By his word, you and I receive eternal life. We have to exercise faith, the first step in our walk with God. We have to exercise that faith and accept God's word, what he says about salvation. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You don't get there by how many fish you caught last week. You don't get there by how many fish you cleaned last week. You don't even get there by how many fish you ate last week. You get there by exercising faith in his word. That's something we need to do every day. Faith is you start your first walk with Christ through faith in his word, and that brings about salvation. How do you get that? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Let's go over there just quickly, and then I'll review again. Romans 10, 17. It says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's that word of God again. That word of God. And in Romans 1.17, if you're over there yet, Romans 1.17, For therein is righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, you could very well put in there, the just shall live by the word of God. Because faith is substance and belief in his word, trusting in his word first for salvation, trusting in his word second for your very existence. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You must take steps to God. You must make effort to place a, to practice an individual relationship with God. Back to Hebrews or back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's by faith you accept Christ as your personal Savior. It's by trusting in his word. If you're still in Romans, go over to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. In relationship to faith in mind, it says, that if thou shalt confess, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's your exercising of faith. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, there's the word of God again, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed, for we have the answers. We have all the answers. I seen a little boy the other day wearing a shirt that says, I trust in science. It was a political statement, I imagine. How did it get driven so far from where we're at as what they call conservatives? You either have faith. You, everyone has faith in something. Everyone exercises faith in some, something. I sat with a man for 45 minutes, and he devoured four bottles of beer while we talked and uh, told me how he had faith in himself. He argued with me whether there was a God or there wasn't a God. He says, I can't tell you there's a God, and I can't tell you there's not a God. Where's his faith? His faith is in himself. His faith is in what he feels, as we looked at in Sunday school class. His faith is in what he trusts. 
He exercises his life according to that. We have not that privilege if we're Christians. We're to exercise our lives according to God's word and to practice our faith according to God's word and to base our beliefs according to God's word. I didn't have to go too far into the scriptures this morning to show that there's a difference in how the worlds were framed. My Bible says my God made that world. He made everything that walks, everything that creeps under and above and everything, and he did it in seven days. Well, he actually did it in six days and rested on the seventh. Where's your faith? Are you arguing with God about where's the beginning of things? If you have little faith, you have little cooperation from God. It says there he's a rewarder in 11 chapter uh, Hebrews 11:6, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You can tithe, you can cross your T's and dot your I's, you can do everything you can, but without faith it's impossible to please God. If you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you haven't taken that first initial step of your life in coming to terms with Christ. Why do people hesitate about that? Why is it so hard to exercise that faith? Because they don't want to make a commitment, a responsibility. When you have faith in something, you exercise a responsibility towards it. If you believe science is the answer, you wear two masks, as the poor little lady sitting next to us in the airplane did, and you you take and get your shots and you do all. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it was evidence of her faith. Because when she was questioned about the Lord and the Creator, she literally covered her head and said, don't preach to me the King James Bible. Nobody told her what the verses were. They just, my dear little wife, just quoted a couple of verses to her. But she knew it was King James already. She had been witness to before, I'm sure. She had been introduced to God, but couldn't take that step of faith and connect with her God a God, our God, the God. She couldn't make that commitment because she realized there was things in her life that were rhetorically going to change after that. What's holding you back from exercising your faith today? If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, that's great. You're on your way to heaven. You've got the fire escape from hell, so to speak. Have you exercised your faith enough that it becomes a bearing, a roadmap, a place for you to expand upon your life and to commune with the Heavenly Father and to answer questions that may come up, resolve problems that lay before you? And I've, I've been in some pretty precarious situations and some pretty rough situations and circumstances with individuals. Don't tell me God can't answer your problems. He's been there. He's done that. He's got the T-shirt. Well, what does he understand about my family? What does he know? Uh, Jesus Christ was, was uh, born into a dysfunctional family, adopted in, had brothers and sisters, probably because we, we can conject from the lack of uh, evidence of his father, Joseph, his earthly father, Joseph, being talked about much in Scripture, one time they mention his name, he probably was fatherless after a while. He had brothers and sisters, and in his mind, they were half-brothers and sisters. He had 
a mother that could not always understand him. He had spiritual leaders in his time of, of the church he attended, the community he was at, that questioned everything he did and eventually killed him. It's pretty rough. He had faith. He had a trust in God, the Heavenly Father. He knew the story. The angels envy our faith because as Jesus Christ, they see what heaven's about. They see the powers of darkness. They see the powers of greatness. They see the world as it really was framed. And they envy us because we have to trust God for that. Each one of us have a responsibility to ourselves to examine ourselves and come to terms with our faith. And we should encourage one another and ourselves, each other, and those around us to exercise their faith. You come today here to exercise your faith. That's a wonderful thing. And I would be missed to you if I came short of what God told me to tell you is about faith today. I don't enjoy always talking about you've got to be saved and you've got to listen to God's word. It gets like an old record with me. But you know, we always got room for improvement. We always have circumstances that come up in our lives. I've... I've had the privilege to counsel the counselors because my faith is grounded in the Word of God. Although I have a degree in psychology or sociology and a few other of those little neat things, they're of little use to me without faith. God gave each one of us the cognitive skills to choose him and to exercise faith as him being our personal Savior. Now, if you don't have those skills... He's dismissed you, and you've become exempt for that need of salvation. And I've dealt with people like that. But he is perfect. He is wonderful, and he is omnipresent. You can go down all those various names and all those various things that he is. He wants, though, to have a relationship with you. He will take you through any trial you have. He will take you through any problems that exist. He's a wonderful God. He wants the commitment of faith from you. Oh, we struggle with it, and we hold back from time to time. Oh, I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, but this six-literal-day thing, I just don't, don't buy. Well, don't buy it then. See about being a reward, getting your rewards from those that diligently seek him. If you can't take step one and step two and step three, how can God work with you? He's committed to you. Oh, yeah, he's committed to me. Yeah, he took his only begotten son, put him here on this planet, and let him suffer and die for each one of us. And worked out a perfect plan in that regard, so that all we can do, all we need to do, is come to Him on that term and exercise faith, and then He'll mentor us and encourage us and help us as we make those commitments of substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. James chapter two comes to mind: "Show me your faith, and I'll show you your works." Oh, I got saved, and I am free, and I am in love, and God loves me. Yep, 
He loves you so much, he told you how to live your life. As I counseled my grandson not too long ago, I counseled him out of love. I don't know if what he heard was what he wanted to hear, but it was what I knew from experience he needed. If I didn't love him, I wouldn't have told him. If God doesn't love you, he wouldn't have died for you, and he wouldn't surely tell you how to live the rest of your life, encourage you to live. He's given you the freedom, just like I gave my grandson the freedom to do what he wants, to make the selections he wants, to make the choices he wants. I'm pleased when he does, and I tend to reward him when he does. But at the same time, I'm not going to reject him. You have a God that's infinite in pure love. And love is so complicated. There's where I get complicated because you talk about charity, which is love in action. You talk about love, which is commitment, basically commitment. You see here, if we read on, and I'll follow through on that. Let me see where I was. And I'll conclude where Brother Dill was jumping on, I guess, the other night. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, they call that the hall of faith, and it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not. With She received the spices and peace, spies and peace. The uh, verse I'm looking for, I think, is in Romans again. When we're talking about faith, let's see, chapter Romans, chapter 10. 7, 10, nope, 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 but I have that to heard. I asked the Holy Spirit to give me the words that I needed today and to give me the words I didn't need today, and that's one of them. Talks, you, you touched on it, brother, in uh, pure religion. Where's that? In James again. Yep. And we touched in James, and I jumped back off it. Let's look at James chapter 2 as we conclude. James Hebrews, James chapter 2. Pure religion, 227. Yeah, 127, thank you. I'll start in 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and be not hearers only deceiving your own self. You fool yourself if you don't believe in God's word. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man that beholdeth his natural face in a glass, in a glass mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way straightway, forgetting what manner he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, what's that? The word of God, and continueth therein. See, the word perfect is in that thing. There's only one perfect word in this world, and that's God's word. And continueth therein, he being a forgetful hearer, but a doer, a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, 
and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. So much, the, I think of the king that asked a servant to uh, bring to him the most powerful weapon in the world. And the servant went far and wide, found a fellow that had shot a wolf or killed a wolf, and brought that wolf before the king and laid him down in front of the king and cut his tongue out and laid the tongue in front of the king and said, this is the most powerful weapon in the world. Your tongue is controlled by your heart. Your heart should be controlled by your mind. I said should be. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Well, that seems like a pretty big, simple order. We've got a couple of widows in the church. Let's go visit them, buy them lunch. That's faith in action. I know Mrs. Uh, Ensley wouldn't refuse you to buy her lunch. <laughs> I don't think Gloria would either. Where is she? There she is, hiding back there with the little kid. But what it's saying is, love the Lord thy God with all, love thy neighbor as thyself. Because in those days, the poorest people on earth, in the, the Hebrew race especially right here, in these circumstances they were in, were widows and childless, or children without widows and orphans, let's put it that way. They were the poorest. And if you can love the poorest people on the earth, like the little snotty-nosed kids in Chicago that Brother Todd ministers to, or even somebody like Brother Russell, you're, you're, you're doing good. You're exercising religion and faith. I say that with tongue-in-cheek. But to be unspotted and separated from the world takes real faith, real faith in God that gave his son and died for you. He wants you to be separated unto him. It takes real faith to change your wardrobe according to what God desires. It takes real faith to operate your day according to what God desires. It takes real faith to make this everyday decisions if you keep God's word in mind. I don't know what he's speaking to you about today, what he desires from you today. Only you do. God will work in your life as you line your life up in accordance with his word and bless you for it. Let's all stand.